So in Luke chapter 2, verse 25, the Bible says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought, him, brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So in this passage, Jesus has been born. He was born in the stable, laid in the manger. And we know that as Jesus was born, the angels announced to the shepherds that he was born. And the shepherds came and saw Jesus. We know from the book of Matthew that the wise men from the east came. And we debate when the wise men of the east showed up. It doesn't matter. They did show up. But at this particular point in the story, it is time for Mary and Joseph to fulfill the law of Moses in bringing Jesus to the temple to present him to the Lord because the firstborn were to be presented to the Lord, were to be dedicated to the Lord. And I can't think of a single child in this world that has been dedicated more to the Lord than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was. Simeon here is in the temple. He's a man of God. We tend to reserve that term, man of God, for someone who preaches, someone who serves as a pastor, someone who is a minister of some sort. But anybody can be a man of God or a woman of God. What makes Simeon a man of God is that the Bible tells us he was just. Now, when I was going through seminary, I learned that that word just meant that if the Bible said someone was just, they were saved. They knew the Lord. They were going to heaven. And that is true. But this word just also means he does the right thing. He lives the life. He walks the faith. He does right by everybody involved as much as he possibly can. Simeon is a just man, and he's a devout man. This word devout, you may have heard that word spoken. This person was a devout Christian. This person was a devout Baptist, a devout fill-in-your-denominational-preference-here. What does that mean to you, that word devout? It means that this is something that believes it, and someone who practices it. A devout person reverences God. A devout person is a religious person. And people sit back, oh, brother, it's about the relationship, not the religion. The religion is the expression of the relationship. I can sit here and say my marriage is about my relationship with Jessica, but if I never tell Jessica I love her, what kind of relationship do we have? What kind of, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. It, <laughs> If, if, if I never observe our anniversary, what kind of relationship do we have? We have two anniversaries, by the way, because I celebrate the day we went to the courthouse to get the license and the day that the ceremony was done. See, we, we've got two. All right. 
But, you know, but, but we get, you know, whenever I say, you know, whenever I talk about the value of the church, we need to be involved in the church, we need to go to church, people will say, yeah, but as long as we're not talking about the building, well, why do we feel like we can't go to the building? Why shouldn't we want to gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ? He's a devout man. He reverences God. He's religious. He adheres to the word of God and the, and the traditions, and he practices them. Simeon was a spiritual man. He was a spiritual man. He was a man of prayer. He was a man that the Holy Ghost was upon. And he's a man that follows the leadership of the Holy Ghost. And he was waiting on the consolation of Israel. The consolation, the comfort, the deliverance. That's Christ. Simeon was given this amazing blessing of being told by the Holy Spirit that he would live to see the birth of Christ. Now, how amazing is that for Simeon to know for a fact that he would live to see the day that the Christ would be born? How amazing. How amazing. The, the prophecy is going to be fulfilled in my lifetime. And how do you think that affected his lifestyle? What if you knew for, for a fact that you would live to see the day Jesus returned to this earth? And established his kingdom. What if you knew you would live to see it? Many Christians throughout the centuries have lived hoping to see the appearance of Christ. Hoping to hear the trump sound. And for them to be caught up in the air together with their loved ones who had gone on. And meet the Lord in the air. And, and generation after generation has had that expectation. Because we look around us and we see the prophecy being fulfilled all around us. And we're seeing it being fulfilled at an accelerating rate. We may live to see it. And every generation has had this expectation. But what if the Holy Spirit told you, you will live to see Christ return to this earth? How amazing would that be? And would that change your behavior? How would that affect the way you lived? Simeon has this amazing hope. And he has this amazing expectation, which is what hope is. And in this passage, we're going to see the expectation. We are going to see the salvation, and we are going to see the peace. First, let's talk about the expectation. In verse 26, it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. God had given him his expectation, his hope, that he would live to see the birth of Jesus. He had an expectation that Christ would come. The expectation, first of all, was given to him in the scriptures and the prophecies of the Old Testament that the Christ would be born. A virgin would conceive and bring forth a child, bring forth a son, and would call his name Emmanuel. That unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That Bethlehem would be the place of his birth. Simeon had this hope because the scriptures gave him this hope that one day the Christ would be born. But the Spirit had given him the expectation that he would live to see Christ. And how amazing must that have been, and how amazing it would be to know that you would live to see Christ. Simeon had an amazing expectation, and we too have an amazing expectation. We have an expectation that any who repent of their sin and trust the Lord as their Savior will be saved. The Bible says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
If you have turned from your sins and you have trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have an expectation, a confident expectation of heaven when you die. You have an expectation of salvation because the Lord has promised that salvation to all who believe. And we have that expectation that those around us who turn from their sins and trust Jesus will be saved. And those who believe are saved. And those who believe that are saved will see him when we leave this earth and when we enter heaven. We have that expectation. Simeon had an expectation that he would live to see the birth of Christ. He would live to see the newborn Christ. We have the expectation that when we close our eyes to this world, we will open our eyes in the presence of our Lord and Savior. We have an expectation that one day Christ will return to this earth and establish his kingdom and reunite all of his people in his kingdom where there will be no more suffering. This is our expectation. This is not our wish. This is not our positive thinking. This is not optimism. This is a confident expectation that no matter where you are in life right now, your best days are still ahead of you if you know the Lord is your Savior because when we enter into that kingdom, there is nothing on this earth that is worthy to be compared with the glories of the kingdom. We have this expectation. We may not have the expectation that we will live to see the appearing of Christ on earth, but we have the expectation that we will be there. Because if we die in this life before he comes to this earth, we will be alive next to him when he returns. We have that expectation. This is our confident expectation, and this is our hope. We have the expectation, and we have the salvation. Simeon's words in verse 30 are so beautiful, just so amazing, so profound. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Simeon said, Lord, lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word? For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. For Simeon, his faith was made sight. That song, it is well with my soul, right? No. I've lost the tune. But there's a hymn that says, my faith Okay, that's it. That's it as well. Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back like a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, quoting the end of Revelation, it is well with my soul. Mm -hmm. Simeon, his faith was made sight. All these generations, the Israelites were living, looking forward to the coming of Messiah, looking forward to the coming of Christ. Simeon actually got to see him. Simeon got to hold him. Simeon got to touch him. He got to touch Jesus. The Apostle John, this is a big deal. The Apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 1, that which we have seen with our eyes and heard with our ears, with our ears that we have held, that we have handled with our hands. He was tangible. Simeon's faith had been made sight. And Simeon said, Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. It was tangible to Simeon at this moment. Simeon saw the Lord's salvation. But it's important to remember as Simeon sees the Lord's salvation, he is holding Jesus. He sees the Lord's salvation 
in this child that he is holding. He sees the Lord's salvation is in Jesus. He says, let your, your servant depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen your salvation. And he saw it in Jesus. Salvation is in Jesus. We don't need to think of our salvation being in the next challenge that we can conquer. We don't need to think of salvation being in the next political election that we can win. I have a friend right now. He's wanting to get involved in politics. He wants to run. He wants to make an impact. He wants to use it as a platform to advance God's kingdom. And, 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 he, and he, he wants me to pray with him about it. I'm going to pray with him about it. But I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, having been in that arena, salvation is not in that arena. I have been on the floor of a political convention. I will tell you, you do not feel the Lord's presence there. Salvation is in Jesus. It's not in finances. I'm in the best financial shape of my life right now. And inflation is wiping it out. I can't be at peace even though I'm better off now than I was 10 years ago. I can't be at peace because there's inflation. There's, there's instability. You will not find salvation in your finances. Rockefeller couldn't find salvation in his finances. Carnegie couldn't find it in his, and he tried. He tried every six, every six ways from Sunday to try to find salvation in his finances. First, to have enough that he'd never have to worry about it again. And when that didn't work, he figured he'd give it all away and try to find peace of mind that way. Brownwood got a post office, not a post office, a library out of the deal. He never found the peace. The Morgans never found the peace in their fine. Trump, there's nothing about Trump that says there's peace here. No, salvation is only in Jesus Christ. Jesus. Oh, the hymn that I'm going to start singing for you all today. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. That name, Jesus, y'all know what that name means. It means the Lord is salvation. Yes. Jesus means salvation. The name, it indicates who he is. The very nature of Jesus is salvation. The very nature of Jesus is redemption. The very nature of Jesus is grace. It is at the core of his character. Salvation is in Jesus Christ. And this brought Simeon so much joy and peace. And it can bring us joy and peace as well to know that salvation is in Jesus Christ. It's in what Jesus did on the cross. That he paid for our sins and he cleansed us from the guilt and from the shame. That he cleansed us from the debt that we owe to God because of our sin. He paid for that sin. He took God's punishment on our behalf on the cross. And then he rose again conquering the grave giving us eternal life. It is Jesus who purchased our salvation, who purchased our redemption. It is Jesus who will welcome us into heaven. Y'all remember that song by Tennessee Ernie Ford, 16 Tons? I mean, there's like two people in here that know what I'm talking about. Sarah probably does because she, she worked for a country station at one point. But you load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. He says, St. Peter, don't you call me because I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. Well, no, that's not right. But St. Peter's not going to be the one to call us. 
St. Peter's not going to be the one at the gates of heaven. I don't know how he wound up making St. Peter the doorman. Jesus said in John chapter 10, I am the door. It will be Jesus welcoming us into heaven. And it will be Jesus who returns to earth and establishes his kingdom. Faith is looking to Jesus for salvation. Isaiah 45, 22, look unto me, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am the Lord and there is none else. This salvation is soul salvation. You look to Jesus to be saved from your sins, he will save you from your sins. You look to Jesus to work out the situations in your life, he will deliver you from the situations in your life. You look to Jesus and look forward to him welcoming you into the kingdom, he will welcome you into the kingdom. Salvation is in Jesus, and faith is looking to Jesus for that salvation. And then we find the peace. Simeon said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. That word peace is tranquility. It's being reconciled to God. It's harmony. It's that confident assurance that we have as Christians knowing that we have been redeemed and that we are looking forward to peace in God's kingdom. There were a lot of problems in Israel when Christ was born. And I imagine that Simeon had his own personal problems as well. And Jessica and I, we have our problems. We're not having problems with each other, but we're having problems in life. I have to disclaimer that. You're like, pastor's having marital problems. No, we're not. We're good. We're good. Our marriage is better now than it's ever been in our entire lives. But we have problems with, with life, um, with health, with situations at work, with decisions that have to be made affecting ours and our kids' long-term futures, and it causes anxiety. And, and there's problems, and we all have problems. I mean, some of y'all have loved ones that are in the hospital this morning. Some of y'all have loved ones who are sick. Some of y'all know people who are going down the wrong paths in life. Some of y'all are having to say goodbye to some people who are very dear and precious to you that the Lord is calling home. There are a lot of problems, and you wonder how can we find peace in all these problems, and it's hard to find that peace. You know, some days I, I look at what I'm facing, and I think, just not going well it's just not going well but we can still find peace in the storms because seeing christ and seeing the promise of god fulfilled seeing god's salvation brought simeon peace and seeing christ seeing the promise of god fulfilled seeing god's salvation should bring us peace we should be able to find peace in the expectation and the hope that god has given so yeah, the finances may dry up, but we can still find peace in the Lord. The decisions we make, we may try to calculate it all out and make this decision. We feel the Lord's leading us this direction. If the Lord leads us this direction, we'll go this direction. We'll take these steps and thus and so will happen and everything will work out. And thus and so does not happen and everything does not work out. But we still have that expectation of being welcomed into God's kingdom and we still have the Lord with us and we can still find peace in that. Our health situation may deteriorate and it may deteriorate rapidly. And I'm finding that you just wake up and something changed. But that's okay. Because the Lord loves us. We see the promises of God. We see God's salvation. That should bring us peace. If we learn to look to the Lord 
and to trust in him, we too will experience that peace. The movie Field of Dreams. You got the Terrence Mann character played by James Earl Jones. And he tells Ray, people will come, Ray. People will come. He gives this beautiful speech about baseball. And people will come to relive those childhood memories of baseball. And you'll say, I don't mind if you look around. It's only $25 per person. You can get into a major league game less than that in some places. It's only $25 a person. And what does he say? He says, they'll hand it over without even thinking about it. Because it's money they have. But peace they lack. You can't find peace in reminiscing about the past. I've tried that a lot. It doesn't work. You can't find peace in Major League Baseball. If you're a Rangers fan, you have learned this year after year after year. No, the, the only source of peace, that tranquility and that assurance, is through Jesus Christ. So as we take this moment to pause, and we sing those words, peace on the earth, goodwill toward men, let's remember what peace is. And remember that peace is only found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.